Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Presented by Luke's Pizzas. So don't do that for A. Thank you for the advice. Featuring Lucas Clark and Nigel Romaine. Tell me more about these lizard overlords. Now introducing your host, Tanner Retz. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the return of Bring Your... uh, Wow, I'm already messing up. (laughs) Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. It's been a minute. This is your host. He's back. And better than ever, Tanner Rutz. Alongside me, I got Lucas Clark and Nigel Romaine, aka Nut Goblin, aka Genetic Beef Lobster, aka Sports Center. No, 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 no. What's up, boys? How you living, Tan? Say, let's. <laughs> Good to have you back, bud. Finally, it's someone to keep us on the rails. Yeah. We've, been, uh, we've been getting out of control with this I won't, pod. I won't call it a not unhinged podcast until I hear the final cut, but. I'm excited for the unhinged ver- or the not unhinged version that we're about to hopefully give to our listeners. I got a little bit of adrenaline going right now because it's like, dude, I felt like I almost lost my job there as host. Luke, <laughs> Luke for the for the last two episodes, just bringing it on home. He's killing it. I out wouldn't there. really call myself a host in your absence. It was more like, <laughs> all right, so let's just start going. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I thought I was gonna have to be applying for unemployment there pretty soon. I thought I thought I thought I lost my job. Yeah, I did too. When he dropped in that sick uh, Wedding Crashers movie line, let's go kill some birds. I thought it was over for you. Honestly. That was all. For, that was all for Tanner, anyway. So, and I loved every second of it. I know you did. I was uh, listening to those episodes when I was in. Uh, as us Parisians would call it, Perry. Perry. And uh, I don't know if I'm pretty sure the crowd knows after seeing my hot Instagram post out there, out there with the little suit jacket and turtleneck. But Kaylee and I went out to Paris for about eight days, had a good time, uh, explored the city, got out to Normandy for a day, got to explore that. And uh, well, enough of Paris. Who cares about that? Let's go USA. Boys, talk about fishing. <laughs> Why don't, you, why don't you start us off, Nudge? Well, first I want to note that I'm currently wearing a beret that Tanner brought back from Paris. Uh, so I'm looking pretty pretty fancy boy right now uh, while I'm drinking my Rainiers. Um, what else has been going on? We, uh, Me and Luke and uh, our infamous buddy Jeff and my brother, we, we went out to uh, Sidley Lake Fish Camp last weekend um, for Memorial Day. Uh, did some fishing. Didn't do a lot of catching though. Uh, That's for Spends a sure. lot of time sitting on the boat and uh, waiting for the fish to bite and having all hell break loose when when the fish did bite. So it's a little bit of a, a a bad bad trip for catching fish, but we had a good time with the boys. Lots of good food. It was sunny out. Got some rays. So that that part was all fun. You can't beat going out to a fish camp for sure. You know it's a tough fishing weekend when you personally see a bald eagle outfish you by <laughs> which we saw that, is a true. bald eagle dive into the water. Well, not dive into the water, but dip his claws in and pull a trout out of the lake while none of us caught a single fish the entire weekend. So yeah, Bald should, Eagle one, Nigel and Luke zero. On the- should have should have known we were doomed when uh, we were pulling up about five minutes from the fish camp. 
came around the corner and ran into two turkey vultures sitting on the side. It was just the the sign that uh, there was nothing nothing there but uh, bad times on the on the uh, lake. But overall, it was fun. Ran into uh, ran into old Mike Rutz out there. He came and paid us a visit. That was fun. Shout out Mike. Good to see you out there teaching us how to fly fish that's that is uh just for all the listeners uh mike rutz did fly fish we can confirm that this happened and he'll be thrilled. we know this we know this we saw it with our own eyes i think luke has some photo evidence so we'll get that up on the instagram page to make sure everyone can see it yeah the only other highlight of the weekend is uh shout out jeff's uncles oh yeah is that this was a real nice surprise is that when we go when we go fishing there we got just like a little pot belly stove that we use for fire to contain the fire. And uh, we get this from the uncles. It's theirs. And it's all wrapped up in a tarp. And so Jeff, you know, loads it into his exploder. We go out there. We get to the fish camp. We're setting up camp. And then it's like, all right, time to put together the pot belly stove. Unwrap it from the tarp. Start opening it up. And there's all these like little like bubble wrap and like packages inside there. And some of it are the parts to the... Uh, to the pot belly stove because they like repainted it and like gave it a nice fresh makeover which was nice of them but on top of that had a nice bottle of 14 year glen Morangi. i think that's what it's called yeah i thought it was glen Morange, but i think it, I, i'm looking at my computer right now and it's glen Morangi. Yeah. but i thought it was glen Morange to be clear but yeah 14 year age scotch didn't stand a chance <laughs> yeah, that weekend. Yeah, yeah. With that many, with yeah. the lack long, of fish, that's how like, long did that last? <laughs> uh, Three quarters of it were gone the first night, and that was <laughs> that was a little yeah. uh, gave us uh, reason for pause the rest of the weekend because we bought a bottle of Maker's Mark because that was the finest brown liquor they had at the uh, local grocery store. Uh, that didn't really get touched that much because we were just housing, we we're housing the scotch, but. Uh, shout out Jeff's uncles because that was a really nice surprise and uh, much, much fancier liquor than I'm used to drinking. Uh, definitely paying for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm trying to think if there was any other highlight. Oh, the other thing that doomed us, I think, was that uh, a few a week before your fly tying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that didn't help. Uh, but a week before Luke and uh, Luke and Tanner and I, we were watching some. Uh, some bass pro fishing on the on the TV one of those late nights, and got the bright idea that we were gonna bring a bring a scale with us for all the fish that we were gonna catch and keep keep tabs like they do on the the Bass Pro tour and uh, keep tabs of weight and uh, yeah we were gonna do it by count we're gonna do it by weight see who who won but uh, none of that none of that came to fruition so it was uh, turns out the ones that you can cl- actually clip into their mouth. Cause they have plenty of varieties of them, but the ones you actually clip in their mouth, which are probably the best ones, it's like sixty bucks at North Forty. And I know how much you love North Forty, Tan, but we love North Forty out in Omac. Check yeah, it out. They, they didn't have any discounts running on sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> so we can afford that scale. Yeah, they didn't have any discounts going. Did you ask them? Like, hey, we're a part of a Bring Your Lunch Pill Sports podcast. Would you like to sponsor this? Sponsor us and give us this scale. You know, they probably would have done that. The guy that was helping Jeff, at least, because Jeff needed a new, uh, whatever you call it, need a new reel for his. He needed a new. He he needed a new reel. Is that he was wearing a? Was it a fuck Brandon pin? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I mean. (laughs) 
Which is fine, but like I don't I think he took one look at us and was like, You guys don't get discounts. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my impression of it. He was very nice and uh he tried his damnedest to find the twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. Jeff buying a twenty dollar spin reel and it was like they had one in stock in the back and it's all the same box. And so this guy brought like himself and another employee out there searching through every single box in the damn store to find this one twenty five dollar <laughs> reel for Jeff. And Nigel and I went. I was, and I was shopping. I was shopping for uh, overalls for like thirty. Nigel minutes. and I inspected Check their it. overall selection for twenty minutes and came back, and they still hadn't found the fucking twenty dollar <laughs> reel that Jeff wanted. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, yeah, good, good on times. him. Eventually, it all worked out. Nigel, did you buy new overalls? I did not buy new overalls. Oh I was, man, I was. Uh, Those were well priced. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, they were like fourteen bucks. Or something. It was a, the cheap ones. Yeah, were, they but... were pretty affordable. I should have picked some up. I think it would be a pretty fancy uh, addition to my wardrobe for sure, especially for the fishing days. But didn't didn't wasn't to be. I'd already spent enough money on on uh, gadgets for the weekend, so it was time to time to get down to business and not catch any fish. Love that for you. One more shout out to uh, Papa Mike out there. He did, uh, before Kaylee and I went off to Paris, he ended up getting one turkey this year. He normally gets two, so it was kind of a down year for him. But he did end up bagging one bird before Kaylee and I lifted off for Paris. So another little outdoorsy thing out there. Shout out to Mike. We, we touched on that. That was That's the, true. That, yeah. Was, yeah. that was the whole uh, wedding crashers. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Mike got his bird. I did not. Yeah. I did not. That was established. <laughs> it's still established. Yeah, it's still established. Okay, uh, I guess let's get into a little bit of sports. Uh, what is it, the Monday morning meeting? That's what we do, right? We'll jump into the Monday morning meeting. Need a recap from the so-called experts? It's time for a Monday morning meeting. All right, let's go with the uh, the recap, and we're a little bit behind the game on this one, but the uh, Kraken, great season. It was fun, enjoyable. We finally got to experience some, um, you know, playoff hockey, and got to see the Kraken make it all the way towards you know Game Seven to get into the uh, uh, what do they even call it? Western, Western Conference. Conference it's finals. the Western yeah. Conference. Okay, so yeah, one game away from going to the Western Conference Finals. We now have. Vegas going through after they beat the Stars out, but let's just get a little recap of the season. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll start here. Um, I mean, honestly, broadly speaking, is that I thought it was, I thought it was an, <laughs> I thought it was an awesome, I thought it was an awesome performance by the Kraken, and like, I don't know, I don't know how much our listeners watch the Kraken. I can't imagine it's much different than my viewing experience throughout the seasons. I'm a pretty casual fan. Like I follow them on my phone. Like I keep track of when they win and lose and stuff like that. But I thought it was awesome that they advanced in, in the first round and then made it to a game seven in the second round, because I watched damn near every minute of all of those games. I watched more hockey in the playoffs than I did the entire season combined. And probably even last year too. So, like, from that perspective, I thought it was a great season because I'm way more invested now 
and I'm a pretty hardcore fan of sports in general, but I can honestly say that my Kraken fandom has been a little lacking. But now I feel like, as somebody who's new to the sport of hockey, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about just terminology and, like, even just, like, watching how they play. Watching how the guys move, understate, like, anticipating when something's about to happen, even if it's not a goal. Like, I finally got a chance to, like, absorb the game a bit and see how things are moving on the ice. And I'm not going to say that I'm some sort of expert now because I'm far from it. But I could foresee what they were what was going to happen and all it took was watching 15 games from start to finish yeah, yeah. basically to get that kind of knowledge base and now yeah so like i'm i'm very happy that the kraken gave that to me because to be honest like i said i'm enough of a fair weather fan that if they would have got swept in the first round i probably wouldn't have the same impression so that's kind of my broad strokes opinion about how the season ended I guess Nigel can pick up on that. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I watch a bit of hockey and try to, you know, pop in for the Stanley Cup a game, you know, a couple games, especially when it's getting near the end. But I've never sat and watched an entire hockey game. I think before until this playoff run, and I, it captured me for sure. Like it was like get off of work and like get home and get the cracking game on. Like let's let's turn that on and watch as much of it as we can. So yeah, definitely, and I think that. Uh, a lot of people were captured by it. it's like my mother for instance like i'm calling her on the on the way home and she's like oh the kraken are playing tonight like can't wait to can't wait to tune in it's like my mother has never watched hockey in her life and she's like it's so cool what they're what they're doing now and people other people at work and stuff that were tuning in like it's just a lot of people that i don't think have ever really watched hockey and I, so i think they ourselves included ourselves included yeah that it, it's uh you kind of start to see what it's all about with that playoff run and how exciting it can be. I mean, those games, it's uh, it's intense. <laughs> you know, you're, you're sitting on the edge of your seat the entire time watching things happen, and once you start to watch a few games, you like you said, you start to see and anticipate things and get an understanding for it. It's not just like... You, you can watch it from the perspective of, hey, they're just shooting the, shooting the puck at the net, and when it goes in, that's great. But it's... Like any sport, it's much more fun when you start to understand the ins and outs of it a little bit and think that that was, uh, you know, I feel like I learned a lot more about hockey in the last couple of months here just watching that playoff run and, you know, like you said, anticipating things, knowing when it was an intense situation and, you know, knowing when they should have scored, knowing when it should have been a goal against them and kind of feeling that out. So, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um and watching it with like soup that one day like that you know he he's out there with all the terminology and stuff which is a lot of fun like clap daddy off the off the bucket and I'm like, you know it's like stuff like that it's just, it's just kind of fun to to seek your teeth into it a little bit and i can definitely see where where the uh where the allure is especially when it comes to the the stanley cup it's like it's a grueling that's a grueling playoff run you know it's like it's such a physical sport and then you're you're playing every other day, and go you know, night in and night like football they have a week off between these very physical games. These guys are, granted they're only on you know they're on the ice for a minute or so at a time, but it's still grueling minutes that you, that you're putting on out there like getting getting beat up. And these guys are doing it you know every other day they're back on the ice out there fighting. So yeah, great time. I I enjoyed it. 
I think the oh sorry I was just gonna say to that like there's something to be said about hockey too that it's hard not to win you over when you see a dude that puts it all out on the line and gets a, like a puck and a skate to the face he's coming out with like yeah that just, dude from Dallas that got yeah got rocked in the face game one and then he's back out there game two ready he was to, back in the game later on I think I, I think he got he, stitched up he was no, ready that, to go back in but they were already behind I think but yeah I mean the guy had seventy stitches in his face and he's like. I'm ready to go back out right now. Yeah. Like, what other sport on the planet do you have dudes like that that are just like, yeah, throw throw a mask over my face and I'm ready to go. Yeah, you watch, like, NBA now, and, like, a guy gets, like, barely touched and he's falling over and, like, acting like the world has ended and, like, getting carried off the court. And these guys are literally, like, bleeding out of their face, getting 70 stitches, <laughs> and it's like, dude, how can you not get behind that and just, like, just the heart of the guys coming out there. It's, it's yeah. insane to watch. The other thing I was going to mention, too, was that just to start that play like their you know their whole playoff run to go out there against the Colorado Avalanche and you know defending Stanley Cup champs and I mean I think everyone at least from what I heard from sports radio was that Kraken are done like it was a good run it's cool they're gonna be able to get a little playoff Kraken were just happy to be there exactly exactly. and they go out there and I mean immediately you know they they take their spot they move on and they put up a hell of a performance against the Stars and even towards the very end of that game, I mean, what was they were down what one to three at the very end, and they still got that last second shot out yeah. to make it like you actually had a little bit of hope. Like there's only like three seconds left in this, but they just did it. Yeah, yeah, they scored a goal with like 18 seconds left to make it three to two. Yeah, what I, what I was gonna say though too is that I think the big thing for me is that it's more so in the Colorado series is that. Any fan wants a rivalry, and I feel like it's it's small it's small scale at this point. But it's like you started to create this kind of you had this great playoff series with Colorado, and they are pretty close proximity wise, at least for what you can do with Seattle. Like we're so far away from everybody that Colorado's about as close as you can get. But like you had was that a was that. Miko Rantanen, oh yeah, who who knocked out McCann like in the second game, like kind of had a cheap shot, if you will. I mean, it depends on who you ask, but like seemed like a cheap shot to me, and like knocks out our best goal scorer like in game two of of the series. So like now there's bad blood, and like now you now you have a little bit of drama, you have a little more to invest in. Juice, Is it like yeah. and now especially like you said, defending Stanley Cup champs, we were the new bloods, we knock them off. Every game against Colorado is going to have a lot of weight to it this next season. I know I'm going to want to watch. Like, this bad blood, you know they're going to – I think it was Rantanen that, yeah, that knocked him out. Was. You know they're going to come back. Jamie Alexiak has to go and punch him in the face because you can't do it in the playoffs as much. But you got to know the first game they play, they're like, we didn't forget that you knocked out Jared McCann with a cheap shot. So I'm going to go and I'm going to fucking deck you. So like, yeah. So, like, that makes me want to watch. So I think it's things like that that it makes me more interested in what the Kraken are doing. And I think it's it should hopefully encourage more people to watch because I thought that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. The I, intensity was all time. Yeah. And I, I think the uh, the team is shaping up to be in this, a similar position next year too. It sounds like the, you get most of the guys back. The Kraken – like. Again, yeah, I think Wenberg, <laughs> Wenberg is, I think, one of the only guys that is up in the air. But Yeah, 
knew knew little about this watch you know from you hear a bit about it but like in watching it all season long you kind of heard that the kraken didn't have any stars right and that was their that was their knock against them all season but when you got to the playoffs you got to see that they don't have any stars but they have they have four lines that are deeper than any other team's they lines. They have great depth. Exactly. Their depth is great. And so... And that's even with injuries. Yeah, and that's with... Burkowski yeah, was yeah, even Burkowski out, our was best out player. the entire season, pretty much, the entire second half of the season. And so, it's uh, it's promising, I think, for, for the future. And you still got Shane Wright, who I think is probably going to be up. You had... Um, what was the kid that they brought up? Um, Cartier. Cartier, who steps in when McCann gets knocked out and... What a, what a scores stud. a goal in the first yeah. game is, is like the player of the year in in uh, the lower division Coachella Valley, Coachella Valley and and comes right in and, and is an integral piece on the front or the first line for the crack in the rest yeah. of the playoffs based off of his playoff scored a couple goals got a couple assists like he had a great great tournament so yeah based I think off his a lot playoff to be excited about for the Kraken in the future based off his playoff performance I don't see any way that he's not making the line next year yeah i wouldn't i couldn't imagine so at least one you know maybe not the front first line but he's no. going to be in he's going to be in the mix for sure and i would assume shane wright's going to be right there too so yeah it's a I, I think they got a bright future i'm i'm excited like knowing that you know getting into it a little more i'm excited for next season and 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 uh hopefully they make another run like that and get to watch watch some more stanley cup playoffs that was cool yeah, I'm curious to see what moves they make, but to to sum up what I was saying before, I feel like I'm better equipped with knowledge now to watch them, and hopefully I'm not alone in that, that the playoffs hopefully gave you that platform to equip yourself with a little bit of knowledge and a little more fandom that, like, now I'm ready to watch more Tuesday night games against Ho-Hum because I think I understand the game a little better and I can enjoy Because that's always the... The biggest hurdle if you don't understand the game it's hard to be engaged in it and yeah. i'm not going to claim that i understand the game that well at all just from watching a handful of games but i definitely understand it a lot better now than i did in february so yeah that's my big takeaway from their playoff run and yeah i'm really excited for the season to start up again so i'll call that a win for me would have been nice to see him get the chance to play vegas yeah, I think that. Would I think they would have gave a. I know nothing about hockey, but I think they would have gave a better, better run than Dallas, especially because I didn't watch much of that series. But Dallas kind of they had like a big like they brawl. Were out of juice. They got a big brawl in there too because they. I think they were frustrated and tired, and they ended up yeah. fighting with Vegas because they were kind of getting their shit pushed in. So. I like to think the Kraken would have been a little better against them, but that's just, just me being. Just because they're de- they're deeper overall. Yeah, and you didn't have what's what's the guy in Dallas, the forty year old who scored Pavelski. Like, Pavelski scored eight goals against us or whatever, which you he didn't do in the next series. And so without without his scoring in in that series against the Kraken, I think we, you know, we might have been able to pull that out. But he had a an unreal series. So yeah, it's. Yeah. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun for the future for the for the Kraken. Can't wait. I'll tell you what I can't wait for, and this should be a national headline: the twenty twenty three underdog volleyball season coming up underway. <laughs> and, and not not underdog it's actually for this a, one. This is A and E. 
A and E. Yes, A&E. never heard of A and E. Yeah, it's a. This is a. Is it basically Se- the same thing as Se- Yeah, it's Seattle. Uh, it's more volleyball centric. Yeah. Oof. And they only do volleyball. That's Although you wouldn't know that from the sport. talent we played last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our. Uh, our yeah, give me annual... give me a breakdown. How's the season projected to look? Are yeah. you guys uh, you making a run for the championship this summer? Yeah, I think we, we do every good, year. We but got yeah. a good chance at it. We this is our this is our outdoor volleyball league we play in. Um, with Luke and I and uh, Matt, and then we've got Sarah, Sarah, and Erica as our the other the other half of our team. Uh, it's co it's a co-ed league that we play in, and uh, yeah, the l- last couple of years we've been we've been near top of the top of the table, if not top of the table during our during our night. And every year there's a, a tournament at the end of the season that you you basically the entire year is is uh, seeding for the tournament and then you play a tournament at the end against all the other knights at your level and last year we we lost in the semifinals the year before that we it's also three lost years in, in the, a row yeah i think three years straight we've lost in the semifinals so we were third fourth trash but maybe we're hoping this is going to be the this is going to be the year started out the season hot we went we went five and zero oh in week one pretty much crushed everybody so um i don't think we've Faced the best, they're the other best team, I'd say, from what it looked like. But we'll we'll see how it goes. It's our season's early, but uh, we've got we've got a special guest uh, appearance coming up from from our uh, from our host over here, the Tan Man, the the tr- the traveling man is going to be uh, stepping in to yeah. to get his reps on the volleyball court with us. So next week is going to have a great recap because we'll have Tan Man. With some uh, experience on the volleyball court next week, so yeah, and you know I've stepped in before. Uh, what was it? Was it was that last last summer. Last year, last, last summer. summer. It was at the end. Of, it was in August last summer. Yeah, right? Nigel went down I... with a terrible ankle injury, yep. and so I stepped in and thought I did a, a pretty good job. Just uh, you know. Just going out there, kind of the Mike Miller of volleyball is what I like to compare myself to. <laughs> you love Mike Miller. <laughs> Just out there, I'm there when you need me, okay? And, uh, yeah, I'm getting the call up on Tuesday. I'm very excited for the opportunity. I know I can't bring the big gun like Matty does with his spikes that he has, but, you know... I'll just I'll play my you're little heart out. You're still a presence out there, so I'm a body. I'm a warm body out there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no offense to you, but honestly, based off of the competition we played last week. A warm body is more than the competition we're playing right now, so you'll be just fine. Well, I gotta say, we were playing volleyball, what was that, right before I left for my last time going to work, and we were down there just playing with friends, and... Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. Luke, Jeff, the raccoon, and I, we were on a, a squad together, and we were we were holding ourselves, to, we were doing pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for anyone out there listening, if you ever want to come play some volleyball, we're, you throw the nets up on the weekend, you haul out your boys, we'll get we'll get the net out and uh, get you out there. We love warm bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Not tomorrow, though, because tomorrow we have a big day coming up in front of us. We got fishing in the morning, then we got golf in the afternoon, and then we're going to end the night with some bowling. Yeah, three-way. Yeah, we'll see if we... The holy <laughs> we'll see, yeah. yeah. The holy trifecta. We'll see if we hit the triple crown on that one, <laughs> yeah. but... We'll see if we get up for fishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ba- based off of the... that 11.10 right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing well. It's probably so the earliest we've started a podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, it seems like That's it. a good point. The sound check went great today, guys. Don't worry. 
All right, with that said, let's jump into the water cooler talk. Oh my God, did you hear what happened? What's the big idea? The national headlines are in. Entertainment news. It's time for the water cooler talk. National headlines. One of the big headlines, at least locally, is going to be the Huskies going to be on Peacock. Uh, we hate that, right? Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, yeah, Nigel, you, so, you start. Yeah, just for one game, though, right? Well, yeah, so this is... The Huskies just announced their their game times for their game times and uh, TV carriers for their first couple games of the season this this year, and I don't I don't really have much of a problem with the first couple. I think it's a you know Huskies are on ABC against Boise State. Yeah, at Huskies home are on ABC at twelve thirty. Like that's yeah. yeah. So the first game they got a they got a big game. You know, a national game. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. Second game's against Waverly Baby Home. Um, so Is that against Tulsa? Yeah, I think it's against Tulsa. That, that should be a dub. But the big game is is uh, Michigan State on uh, on the, th- the third week of the season. And that's a it's a 2 p.m. Um, kickoff locally. So I think that's a 4 o'clock. I think it's 5 is in Michigan. Is that 5 o'clock in Michigan? Yeah, maybe they're on We East were Coast just time. there a couple years yeah, ago. I, I think it's, that's East Coast East time. East Coast time, yeah. So it's a five o'clock kickoff, but the uh, the the kicker is that Peacock uh, or this game is going to be aired on Peacock exclusively, and this is just for one we can we're going to get into this I think at some point here in the near future talking more about Pac-12 media deals stuff because they haven't really announced much of it yet I think they're still negotiating and they're still trying to figure out if they're going to add San Diego State and what you know all of that stuff when we'll have a, I'm sure we'll have a pod that talks about that soon but the the stupid part about this is Peacock I think most people already don't have Peacock it's another random streaming service but if you're a Comcast um what carrier subscriber, or subscriber thank you uh Peacock has been free for the last several years Peacock is NBC's streaming service. Yeah. We have Peacock. Yes, we have Peacock. Because That's how we, we watch have, WrestleMania. Yes, because we have Peacock because we <laughs> are Comcast subscribers. We pay them two hundred dollars a month so that we can uh, watch sports on TV. But the uh, the Pac-12 and the Huskies announced this game uh, being exclusively on Peacock on Tuesday or Wednesday of this last week, and about an hour and a half later. <clears throat> Peacock announced, or Comcast announced that Peacock is no longer going to be free with uh, uh, for Comcast subscribers. So you're now going to have to pay, uh, I think it's $5 monthly, or they have some kind of annual, annual fee. And I just think that that's complete bullshit. <laughs> is, uh, that is complete bullshit. Is my stance on that. So I'm, I'm uh, not impressed so far with the uh, Pac-12 tw- media situation. That they signed up Klayovkov or whatever to to be our our media dealer and uh, yeah I'm I'm not I'm not really thrilled with that one so I I could be off base here and not to give Klayovkov a pass on this I think this is a Big Ten thing which I would still circle back to the Pac-12 and Klayovkov because it's like the Big Ten is already pillaged your talent by taking USC and UCLA. And so now they're going to do this to you. It's like, yeah. it's like the, you're literally just allowing the big 10 
to single-handedly ruin your conference. This is one of your biggest non-conference games off or non-conference games of the year and you're yeah and you're gonna let the big 10 be like oh by the way this is under our kind of umbrella for media rights and we're gonna give it to peacock because we just you're already drowning so we're just gonna grab you by the throat and push you down further into the water instead of throw you a life vest like they could easily put that game on abc also you know if i can talk my shit I don't blame them because the way the Huskies fucking manhandled Michigan State last year, I'm sure they're like, yeah, we should uh, bury this game. Yeah. Because like, we already took Mich- their best player. Mich- Michigan State has also had like 20 transfers since yeah. their quarterback transferred out. One of their best receivers, Jeremy Bernard. We touched yeah. on that in uh, the Husky recap is that he transferred out. That like this Michigan State team. Now, I could end up eating crow if they put together a great season and they dust the Huskies or something, but I don't think Michigan State's going to be good. I think the Huskies are going to trounce them. So I don't blame the Big Ten if they have, if I'm right about this, which, to be clear, I thought I saw this. I'm not claiming this is fact. Is that the Big Ten had a little bit more control on the media rights for this game. Is that I wouldn't blame them for trying to bury this game because they don't want to be, they don't want their conference exposed on the national stage. That a Pac-12 team, or sorry, Pac-10 team, yeah. is is it's still the 12 for one more year. Yeah, but the, the a Pac-10 team is going to come into their house and hang a 40 point win on them. So they want to bury this game so that they don't get embarrassed. So from that perspective, assuming that's true, that the Big Ten has control, I understand the move. It doesn't make me any more uh, happy about the situation. Yeah. I'd like it more if Peacock would allow me to like buy the game for like five bucks or ten bucks. Yeah, like, if they, like if it's ten a la carte for per game or something like. Yeah, that. it's like it's ten dollars a month for a subscription for... or whatever. But it's like we'll charge you five bucks if you want to buy a game. Yeah, but they're never going to do that because they want you to pay a bunch of money. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a pause on national headlines and on our main topic of the day because we got Kalia Hobbs over there, our media gal. She is wanting us to do a little live stream or a video for, uh, for the podcast for you guys to do our listener questions. You got burning questions? We have fire answers. Now, we don't know this. Let's grab the talking head. It's time for Town Hall with the Council. The first question we got was, beginning of the season, we were looked at as the front runners to land Otani, and now according to media outlets, we have multiple teams ahead of us. Why do you guys think that is? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence? Yeah. What's the origin? Okay, so so the Mariners are not a front runner for Otani, according to media sources. Um Honestly, is like as a long-standing biased Mariners fan, that just kind of sounds like the normal conjecture that comes out in a lot of these things. It's because the Mariners aren't power players for anything. So, like, I, I honestly still think the Mariners should be front runners. I don't really care what the media says about it because, like, we were bridesmaids on the first go around. So I don't see any reason why they still wouldn't be in play it's really just more about 
are they going to be willing to shell out the cash for him? Yeah, that was that's what I was going to say is that I think there's there's been countless times now that Jerry Depoto says that he's not going to spend the money uh, on these players, and that there's yeah. there's got there's plenty of guys that have been free agents that they the Mariners are like we're only willing to spend. $30 million and we're not going to overspend and the guy ends up going for $38 million a year or whatever. So I think there's just this this stigma around the Mariners that they're they're going to not not be the the play the power players at the end of the day and and spend that that big money. But I think Otani's different. I think that he's he's such a generational talent and he's a pitcher and a hitter. So I would think I would think they'd be willing to break the bank a little on him. He's not just your run-of-the-mill free agent that you're overspending on. He's he's the best player and most exciting player in baseball right now. And I, you'd like you'd like to think that, at least based off of some uh, chagrin from the fans, is that you didn't spend money this last offseason because it's not our money, but they should have spent more, arguably. But you didn't spend it for the exact reason is that you want to have money in the bank to to go get him to go get year. him. Yeah, yeah. Because no matter what happens with it, whether he gets traded this year at the deadline or something, he's still a free agent. So I don't think that we should go get him in the middle of the year and trade all our prospects for him right now. I think we should wait it out and see see how the free agent market goes. I think everyone I think everyone thinks that the teams that are probably in front of the Mariners right now. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Padres, maybe all the teams that have unlimited budgets. That's that's why they're that's why they're the the front runners to get Otani because they have Completely more agree. yeah they have more money than than God and they don't care they don't care how much money they spend on their players. I think the Mariners are gonna be gonna be players in this deal though when it come, when it's all said and done in the off season this year. I, I would also add to that whole point as to why the Mariners are not the front 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 runners right now it's everything that goes on every big trade that's going on every offseason type of thing free agent signing who are always the two front runners for every single one of those the dodgers and the yankees yeah america's sweethearts yep like it's going to be that every single time so i'm not stressed about this at this moment i think that they're going to make a run and boston we throw boston in there and otani was also like when he first came into the league mariners were number two on that list right like it was between the angels that was also because the mariners had had that international money that they had that they had pulled up though too which is how we ended up getting julio is because we had we had made a bunch of trades to in order to get a bunch of international money so us and the angels were the ones that could offer the most most money to him at that point because the international players are kind of on a different arbitration deal and you can only have so much money per team for for international players like that so i know we had we kind of sold off a bunch of our international guys so that we had a stockpile so that we could be the front runners for that but i think outside of that otani wasn't going to make a bunch of money in that first deal so he was going to go where he wanted and his agent is the same agent as trout's agent there's a bunch of other stuff with that all that being said i think the mariners are going to try to go throw a bag at him and i don't think that the difference between we'll say 50 million and 55 million is going to be the deal breaker because I think that they know how how much of a talent he is as opposed to like Chris Bryant or someone where they're like yeah does he really move the needle is he the best player in baseball do we want to over we want to spend an extra eight million dollars a year on him 
no, we don't really want to do that. We'll go get Suarez, and he'll be just as good. So, which I, Suarez turned out to be better? Yeah, exactly. Than Suarez Chris has Bryan been. At this yeah, point. exactly. They've it's been the correct choice at this point. So, I just think Otani's a little different, and I think you've kind of been you've been making a lot of smart deals over the last couple of years, so that you can hopefully go and throw the bag at at someone like Otani who. He's gonna pay for himself, you know. Think of think of all the the Japanese fans that are already like kind of ingrained with the Mariners as it is, and so you're gonna get that. You're gonna it's it's close proximity to to Japan, and there's a there's a large population of Japanese people here already. There's Ichiro fans, like it's already all kind of ingrained in there. So I just think it makes a lot of sense to to throw as much money as you can at him to get him on the team. I think this is kind of a silly point, but I do think it's somewhat legit as well. I think something that the Mariners have that other teams don't have is Ichiro. You just <laughs> mentioned it. Yeah. And dude, that guy, he's an absolute legend in Japan. Even when I was at the World Baseball Classic, after they won the championship, they ran out with Ichiro's jersey. Like they were running out with it in their hands. Yeah. Like kind of a silly point, but it could honestly be a factor that Ichiro is a part of the coaching staff and he is a part of that organization. Yeah, I think so. And, the, and Otani sees that Ichiro's still like welcomed into the organization as a, you know, so you see that like, I come to this team, I'm going to be welcomed here for the, you know, for the years after my baseball career and like be a part of, be a part of it. So I think that that's a, a big factor that the Mariners have that a lot of other teams don't have. Yeah, I think that's all good and well, but at the end of the day, I don't think uh, Otani's <laughs> going to be like, yeah, I really like the idea that uh, they'll like me after I retire. Any team will like him after he has a Cy Young performance and is also one of the best hitters in the league. I think more so, like I said, I think we all are in agreement that the media is saying that we're not front runners or the main teams that are always the front runners are the front runners to get him are those teams whatever i think the bigger question is are the mariners going to be in the trade market for them when the angels may or may not shop them around because i do think there's some value in saying that if you trade for them and if the mariners acquire them at the trade deadline maybe those negotiations are a lot easier as opposed to once you already have them in-house like you're always gonna have to pay him the amount that he's worth like there's no arguing that but you might already have that much like uh castillo last year you got castillo and he instantly like vibed with the club and you're able to like quickly turn that around into a long-term deal if you get him at the trade deadline maybe you sign him to a long-term deal like before the season ends before he even hits free agency it's like we already know what your market value is like. Again, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just yeah. I just don't know that I want to. I don't want to give up the haul that that's going to cost you when you can you're renting him for renting him for three months and then and then you can go sign with, sign with those other teams if you're not the front runner. I, you know, you're giving up probably Bryce Miller, probably Kirby, probably you know like Brash. You're what other young young talent you're not going to give up Julio but like you're probably you're taking away all of your young Ford. pitchers is Kelnick on the yeah Kelnick maybe like you're I said that at the beginning you need Kelnick <laughs> yeah. to hit well ship him off for Otani <laughs> yeah, that, I, 
I just don't know. If it was a straight up Kelnick for Otani with the that would never happen. just about guarantee that you were going to sign him long term, sure, but that's not going to be the case. You're going to you're going to ship off all of your young pitchers and all of the kind of the future uh, like why this you're you'd be shipping off the reason why I think Otani would want to be on this team long term and that's that there's young talent around him. And so I just don't think that that's a wise choice. Well, if I could be devil's advocate on that is that a to like what I'm saying before is that if if you get him in house, you have a much better chance to sign him long term. Now, like I'm not saying that's set in stone. I'm just saying like theoretically, like yeah. if you get him in the clubhouse. Do you think the Angels feel that way right now? No, because they suck. <laughs> like that's <laughs> but the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, but, the, but, but they have him in the clubhouse. They've but, had him in the clubhouse for four four years. No, but that's my point though is that because they've had him in the clubhouse and they have not gone to the playoffs a single time. That's why he wants to leave. Like, I guarantee if the Angels have been in the playoffs each of the last four years, he's probably not necessarily being like, I want out of L.A. Plus, like like you just said, Mike Trout's his own agent. You don't think he's, he's there with Mike Trout, and Mike Trout has had one playoff appearance. So, so with that in mind, like, that's why he wants out. What I'm saying is, is that you get him in the clubhouse, you would like to think that you have a better chance to like kind of dig your claws in and be like this is what we're going to do for you xyz now to your point about trading the farm again i'm not necessarily advocating for this i'm just kind of playing devil's advocate on it he would be one of your best batters and one of your best pitchers so even if you lose two starting pitchers out of it you get an ace out of it yeah so now you have castillo as an ace you have Otani as an ace. I won't call Robbie Ray an ace, but we'll call him one because that's what he should be. And he comes back. So you have yeah, three aces on your roster, and you have one of the best bats to go in this lineup with Julio. So what is that worth? Is that worth two starting, two young start? And I don't even know. It's completely up for debate, but Bryce Miller seems like a good name to drop. But what if it's Bryce Miller and Emerson Hancock and uh, Ford? He doesn't say Mike Ford. Not Mike Ford. Henry, is Henry it Ford. Henry the, Ford, the, the younger guy that played for Britain. Yeah. We love Mike Ford because he's a beefcake and he could hit. But the, the young catcher that we drafted the other year. Yeah. Like somebody like him, even uh, Rodriguez, who's, I think he's Jay Rodriguez. Or maybe he's... Yeah. The, he's J Rod, I think, just like Julio, but yeah. he's a middle infielder, another like Dominican. another top, another top middle infield prospect. I don't know, like, yeah, like I said, I'm not necessarily advocating for that. I'm just saying that I think it's worth considering, and I think it's worth considering that if you feel confident about the fact that you get him in your clubhouse, much like you did with Castillo last year, he might be more willing to be like. Yes, this is something I want to be a part of. All all things equal, I like you guys better. It's gonna be six hundred million. Like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. any you shake well, it. That, that's the problem, though, is that I think either way, regardless of whether you go and get him now or wait till free agency, he's going to go to free agency. He's not gonna sign an extension with you. He's gonna go test the market. You can tell him all those same things 
in three months after the trade deadline and show him around the place and tell him all the things you're going to do for him. But you could also still have all of your prospects in the in the process of that. See, I just don't believe that though, because like I feel like that's kind of been the stigma around the Mariners this whole time, is that especially with the travel and all these things, is that the Mariners are always struggling to sign big, big marquee guys. Robbie Cano. <laughs> There's we traded for him. Is that you're? No, we str- signed. Oh, we signed him in free agency. Signing. He's a free agent signing. Oh, that's right. We traded him away. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, but we struggle to sign these guys because playing in Seattle, like, you have to pay more for them because guys don't really want to come to Seattle. And I personally think that travel is a big part of that, but there's obviously other things. Uh, not winning culture and not winning World Series, like, that's probably a big part of it too. But regardless of that, is that it's hard to bring – big name talent to Seattle and so I would think that one of the strongest things that you can do is get a guy in your organization and start to like plant plant these seeds like start to get some roots in so that then when he goes on the free he hits the free agency market be like we already have a relationship we already have a rapport if we have to just go to the free agent free agency and we have to battle against LA and New York like you're saying A we're going to have to pay like 20% over any of those other places that just seems like a fact but regardless of that because it's not our money I don't care pay them 50% more than anybody else I don't care give them an 800 million dollar contract I don't care about that because it's not my money but you have to have these like relationships so that you'll want to stay here I think those relationships are already started because you went through this four years ago, you are you have Ichiro in the organization. You already have you already have those little ties. I don't I don't think that you're gonna have to go through the same process either way against all those people. You're gonna have to probably pay twenty percent more, regardless of whether you get him now and lose all your prospects or wait a couple months and not lose all your prospects. All the stuff all of that remains the same in my opinion. All right, and we got one more question that we're going to – well, that last one was a little bit more long-winded, so we'll do one more question, and we'll save the rest for next episode. If you guys had to pick from these three things, what do you think each of you uh, could likely achieve? Get a hit in an MLB game, score a basket in an NBA game, or catch a ball in an NFL game? I'll, go. I'll, I'll leave that up. I think I get a hit in an MLB game. That's bullshit. I, I definitely. <laughs> uh, you saw me in the cages in Chicago. I, I still got it. Uh, I think I, I did could... see you there. What what speed was the, was the <laughs> yeah. ball coming? Ninety five. <laughs> oh. uh, I was but, pretty drunk, so, so maybe it was. I think that I think I could get a hit. Honestly, I think I I could do. I could probably catch a ball in an NFL game too. But uh, could you score a basket too? Could you do all? No, I don't think I could get a bucket in an in an NBA game. I don't think I could come anywhere close to that. But I definitely think I could get a hit. And if Marco Gonzalez throws me a throws me a piped uh, eighty five mile an hour fastball middle middle, I think I think if I spent a month or two in the cages, especially beforehand, seeing some balls, I think I could I think I could hit that. I think I I could uh, I could get a net bat together now. 
Am I gonna bat three hundred? Definitely not. But I think but like, you'll bat, bat a one thousand because you get one hit. I was gonna say yeah. how how many at bats are you taking to get this one hit? I guess they're like, giving the call. Oh, that's, that's not that. I, the question wasn't. Am I gonna go one for one for one? I I think my best chance is baseball. How about that? My best chance is baseball. Am I gonna? Am I guaranteed? No, but I think I can get the bat on the ball. I think for me, I'm going to go with catching a ball in the NFL. I think that somehow I can just get a little dump pass off somewhere or just, you know, maybe run a little slant and catch the ball and just get demolished by a linebacker. Hopefully hang on to the ball, but I think that's my best shot. I, I don't see myself. Like, I was a good hitter in high school baseball. I tried hitting, like, when I was coaching C-team baseball a few years after being in high school. Still got some hits, but it wasn't as easy as I remember it being. And I can't imagine going up against even a Marco and uh, trying to hit his garbage. That's so. brave of you to admit that, unlike Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no chance in the NBA I'm not scoring a basket. Well, see, that's why I'd say full confidence you give me on an NBA for it. Now, little little note is that I would definitely, I haven't been in Is this a playoff game? Uh, no, yeah. no. This is, well, every 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 game I play is a playoff game. Okay? Yeah, okay. Every day is a Super Bowl, or in this case, it's the NBA Finals. But uh, I would need to get in the gym and probably shoot a little bit. But we were actually having this exact conversation the other day in regards to uh, Ben Simmons, who, like, I think had two three-point attempts for, like, an entire season. I... I'm probably overestimating my ability, but I will uh, exude confidence in this moment. If you gave me a few months to shoot around, especially I gotta extend my range because NBA three-pointers are deeper, obviously, than high school or college, I don't see any reason why. If you gave me five five to 10 shot attempts from three-point range, and they would let me shoot, because why would you not let a uh, Porky five five eleven, a hard five eleven uh, white guy shoot from the three point range. If he gave me five attempts in a game, I'd make one of them. So I feel pretty confident that if you now I need I need low defense. It's got to be an uncontested shot. Now if there's defense on me, it's probably unlikely I make it. I'm I'll be at least fair in that regard, but. You get me in the gym for a minute, and I extend my range a little bit. I, I feel pretty confident that I can make make a three. Point. It'd have to be a three pointer. There's no way I'm. I'm there's, no way, the there's no way I'm getting into the, <laughs> the into the middle. Yeah, yeah, there's no way I'm getting into the middle of the, the trees and making yeah. a shot. But it would have to be most likely a, a corner pocket three point. I mean, white people love the corner pocket, and yeah. I'm no different. Is <laughs> that? Yeah, you give me a wide open. Give me a wide open corner three. Give me five of them in a game. I probably make one. What? Right. Me, Pro- probably five, yeah. honestly. Me no, one. Yeah. <laughs> me five. Five. Yeah. yeah. Sign me to the G League. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Me one on one with Giannis Antetokounmpo guarding me. Game on the line. Um. Yeah. Give yeah. me a little Gator Light sponsorship yeah. right yeah. beforehand. Yeah, I, exactly. I probably, I probably, I'm driving to the rack and I'm fucking putting up bucket on. Yeah, him. I'm probably silky like three of five on three point attempts. I dig it. All right, let's get back into the meat potatoes. Let's go to the water cooler talk. Excuse me. We're going to go to the local chapter talk is what we're going to do. We'll go ahead and edit that out later. We'll go to the local chapter talk. (laughs) 
Grab your tools and hard hats. Time to head over to the local chapter chat. Let's just combine these two topics uh, to end the day on. Let's go with the NBA Finals and Mariners Baseball. NBA Finals, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a break here. You guys just take it from here. I don't know anything about the NBA. I'll catch up with you guys with the uh, with baseball. Yeah, so at least as we're recording right now, Game 1 has already happened and the Nuggets are up 1-0. But it's honestly been pretty entertaining NBA playoffs at least for at least for people that like basketball I mean you got an eight seed versus a two seed and I don't know you watch the game like you got to root for Jimmy Buckets that's a, that's a fact sorry Himmy, Himmy buckets. buckets yeah call him by his proper yeah, name yeah Himmy Buckets but I don't know I don't think it's going to be a sweep but the way uh the way Jokic is playing right now I just don't see any any way that the Nuggets are gonna lose this series. You feel differently? I know you have the Heat in a uh, in a lunch bet. Uh, real real quick question here. This was a question from uh, our friend Teo. Speaking of Jokic, he was wondering if Nigel, if you are the Jokic of the HR world, if you would compare yourself to that. I would absolutely compare myself to the Jokic of the HR world multifaceted i'm getting i'm getting uh triple double every single day in the office out here you know um uh, i would agree with that in the sense that he passes off the load to <laughs> all of his subordinates yeah. as opposed to doing the work himself that does sound like a uh, nigel trait uh yeah of course i'm passing off some of the load i'm getting i'm getting now you he know, can I'm get getting, his own bucket i'm getting 10 assists a day in the office that's for sure but i'm still i'm still dropping 25 easy like no nobody's business i'm out here i'm out here putting up 25 and then you know i'm i'm probably getting uh getting a couple boards too a couple rebounds i'm i'm helping other people out in the office i'm getting you know they got their problems i'm listening to it helping them out so yeah i'm, I'm putting up a triple double every single day in the hr world uh very much a, a <laughs> understated <Jokic>. triple double, <laughs> yeah understated honestly. understated triple double that's why they pay me the big bucks uh shout out pcre uh for loving me for that but anyway, back to the... Uh, so humble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy's humble. Well, and also, uh, I guess I'll note this, too. Quadruple double. I have a, I have a seven-foot-two demeanor in the office, too. People, people uh, you know, they don't want to rumble with, with the big dog when I'm rolling through. So, um, But to get back to the, the point there, I, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a little lunch bet going on that uh, I'm, I'm taking the heat in this, in this series. Um. I think it's going to be a, a, a tall uh, tall mountain to climb for him for sure. Sure, I think it's it's not going to be an easy one. The way Denver's playing, um, Jokic is is dominant, and really, I think the the big key for them is that everybody's healthy on that team. Like unlike the past couple of years, and but the big thing is that other guys are hitting shots on that team. It seems like anytime uh, their opponents, yeah, for Denver, yeah, for Denver, anytime their opponents have kind of had any runs in in crucial games you, Michael Porter Gordon Jamal Murray like one, one or two of those guys are making big big shots and just kind of like stopping those runs um, but everyone everyone's been against the heat the entire playoffs 
that you know they're not gonna win much like the Kraken kind of situation just happy to be here Tyler Hero's hurt they're you know they're not gonna make a run Jimmy Butler is built different that guy is that guy is the ultimate competitor there's I this is a pre pre game two this is recorded but I'll just go ahead and put a guarantee out there that the uh the Heat are winning Game Two of this series. Wow. Lock, lock that in. They're splitting the series, splitting the series, um, and winning Game Two. I think between between the fact that Jimmy Butler is an absolute do- sorry, Jimmy Butler is an absolute dog, um, and the fact that uh, Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA, and he's getting he's taking these bums off the street that were playing for Nevada <laughs> a few years ago and making them. Uh, Three point scoring stars in in the last round and was it Martin or whatever is that his yeah, last Caleb name? Martin. Caleb Martin. Uh, it's just he's just finding finding matchups out of out of thin air. Um, I anticipate him to do the same for, for Spolstra. That is to be able to find these matchups and make this a series. I think everyone and their mom has Denver and has been counting out counting out the Heat the entire time, and they just keep finding ways to win. So I don't know. I. I uh, I like the Heat. I, I think the I think they're gonna I think they're gonna make this interesting. I hear what you're saying, and I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. Although I want to believe you, <laughs> I want to believe you because I do I do like the Heat, and I I don't dislike Denver at all. I yeah, I, I also like Denver. But... I, yeah, I like them a lot. The problem is, in my mind, based off of what you said, is that to be fair, is like I agree. I think they're gonna be a lot better. Is that I didn't even realize this because I didn't have a chance to watch game one. Is that like Max Strauss was 0 for 10 in the yeah, game? Not going like, to happen that's, again. You don't win games when. Yeah, not going to happen when you, your three point shooter like is said, 0 for 10. And that's, you know, if I want to track back on what I just said before, is that I said if I got five shots, I'd make one of them. Uh, Strauss going 0 for 10 is a prime example that I probably wouldn't <laughs> make a single shot because if that guy goes 0 for 10, I'm definitely missing every shot. Because he's obviously a much better shooter and player than I could ever dream to be. But also noteworthy here is that uh, the Heat also have Nikola Jokic on their team. I don't know if you saw this. They have a Latvian named Nikola Jokic. You got some PT in that last game. Uh, that means nothing to me. Uh, that means everything to me. Okay, they've got their own Jokic. He's he's probably. He got some minutes in the last game. He's probably gonna. I think he's about uh, twelve inches shorter than than uh, the the actual Joker, but uh, he's gonna match up with him in the game two. Lock him down, hold him to uh, eighteen points instead of twenty five, and uh, that's gonna be the difference. Yeah, the problem I see in this in this matchup, and like, I do think in some regards is that like. I would think that Miami is actually in a pretty good position to try to match up with them. It didn't show in game one, especially because I know from the bit that I've watched from Denver, they do a good job of like dribble handoff and like pick and roll. I would like to think though that Bam Adebayo is like a pretty prototypical type of defender to try to shut down Jokic. Yeah. Like he's very athletic. He can guard anywhere on the court like he has the athleticism to press outside the three-point line and he can defend at the rim like he's a really good player like especially defensively the problem is is that i think like looking at is just the guys that you mentioned for both teams is that jimmy's gonna get his buckets Jokic can 
probably score at will even on bam but ideally bam needs to be better and make him struggle to score we'll see if that happens the problem is that when those guys pass who's going to make a shot and it at least the way the playoffs have gone so far i would trust the guys around denver's team jamal murray aaron gordon especially if aaron gordon's dunking the ball yeah you know uh bruce brown uh michael porter jr like you said like i expect those guys to make a lot more shots than a lot of the guys that are around jimmy butler so like i i think it's gonna be a gentleman's sweep and it's gonna be five games four to one and there'll probably be a lot of tightly contested games like this last game wasn't really that close but you might be right maybe miami wins the next game but i just i i don't see where especially the way denver's just been far and away the best team in the playoffs yeah and i feel like they definitely have been thus far not not to go too far down a different rabbit hole is that already is it's like not to like project forward too much but you know i feel like denver denver's gonna win this series we'll just say and it'll kind of get written off because it honestly does feel like this year is like who was a good team this year pretty much nobody except for denver like memphis was the one seed and obviously like we don't need to talk about john morant too much but like that team had its own problems and honestly everybody thought that they were a pretender yeah it's like and then the lakers in the back half of the season were a decent team but but they were still a play-in team yeah well and and your best and your best players i said the back half of the season and your best player is 38 years old yeah so it's like we, we can all love lebron as much as we want to but it's like you're talking about not and not to not to give the Lakers a pass or to diminish what Denver did, but it's like your best player is a 38-year-old player. Like, I would hope that Jokic, who's the best player on the planet right now, would be able to dismantle a team <laughs> well, that, whose best player is 38. Your, your best player should be AD on that team anymore. Yeah, well, that's, and he a, whole, wasn't. that's a whole and other so that's conversation. A whole, that's a whole other but, conversation because that yeah. should be your counter. But back to back to this, I don't... I think it's going to be I, – I just think that the Heat are going to make this a much more interesting series than anyone's giving them credit for. And I think Denver's a great – they're easily the best team in the NBA this season, or at least in the, in the postseason by far. But I still think that between coaching, Jimmy Butler, and the role, the role players on, on the Heat stepping up, I think that – it's going to be a much more interesting series. And I, guys can dry up. Like, Porter, Aaron Sure, Gordon, I thought it was going to happen like, a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, Jamal Murray. Like, those guys have proven in the past that they can dry up. All those guys have. And so, if if any of them dry up for two, three games, like, all of a sudden, this is a, this is a, a series now. And so, we'll see what happens. I don't think anyone's going to stop Jokic. I think he's going to. He's going to get his triple-double every night at will. But it's it's all going to come down to those Denver role players and what they – if they continue to stay as hot as they have been, then, yeah, you're probably right. The, the, game, or the series is over in five. But I just like uh, – I like the chances of things things drying up. And it's, just, it's just the nature of basketball. I feel like it's that happens every single year. There's, there's a team that uh, seems like they're going to be the – 
the you know they're gonna sweep and they're the best team and and people find way people find matchups these guys are all professionals they find a way to make it make it interesting so we'll see but i am curious to see if that if that kind of comes to fruition a little bit because like as good as Jokic is is it obviously he's a pass first player and again we won't we won't go down this rabbit hole but like LeBron James has been kind of criticized in the past for being a pass first type of player is that can Jokic in the big moment when he needs to exactly when you get in a game where you're passing the ball and everybody's missing and you get late in the game can you be the guy that's just like because he's obviously a great scorer yeah and it's like it is a true testament to how talented he is is that their team is at their best when he is pass first because he just creates such good opportunities for his teammates but let's say all of his teammates do dry up like you're saying and they can't make a shot at some point you have to have that he'll have to have the 40 point game you'll have to have that michael jordan (laughs) kobe bryant like I am the only option here. Yeah. I have to shoot. Can you shoot your way to a victory? And we know Jimmy can. Exactly. And we, <laughs> we know, know Jimmy, Jimmy can. Because yeah, he's going to have to. And that's what I say. Is that like it, and I think that's what you're saying is that you think that it's going to be a better series. Is that if it comes down to that, is that as good as Jokic is, and I very much like his game, if it comes down to one guy needs to score more than the other, Jimmy or Jokic. I like Jimmy in that. Yeah. Because that's that's more his game, even though he is a good team leader and he has a lot of other qualities. But, like, it's just like, we need buckets right now. Jimmy kind of fills that role better where Jokic wants to pass the ball. And he, he's almost like, you almost have to twist his arm at times and be like, yeah. And he's pretty good about being like, ho-hum, okay, I guess if you want me to score, I'll just go fake, fake, step through, lay up, here you go, or step back, mid-range, mid-range jumper, like, nothing to it. But full, full point being is that if you get into that type of game where it's like, guys aren't making buckets around me, I have to be the one that needs to score, I know he's up to the task because he's done it in the past but i do think that that type of game favors jimmy more than him so i'd be curious to see if the heat can create that type of game yeah that's 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 the thing is it like right now Jokic is just doing exactly what he wants so the heat need to find a way to create that type of game that it's like we need to make we either need to make his teammates miss shots and hope that he doesn't shoot, or I guess more narrowly, we just need to make Jokic shoot. Yeah. So I like. Yeah, and I think that first game, the first game, the the Nuggets didn't miss one of those big shots. Like they the basically enti- have an all the, all, yeah, all yeah, playoffs. The entire in it was like game two or three in that Lakers series. They they dried up a little bit, and like, and I think that that can, you know. If that happens in this series where they don't hit those big shots when when uh, the Heat make a little run, you know, in that first game, every time the Heat made a little run, someone made a big shot, brought it back to ten or eleven, and and then it's like grind, 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 get back into it, and then Michael Porter hits a hits a three, 
uh, Jamal Murray hits a three, went, you know, and brought it right back to where it was before. So as, as soon as those shots get missed and they're made on the other end, you never know. So I uh, so you I'm have a, you have the Heat in how many games? I think if the Heat win, it'll be seven. I don't think it. I think it's going. If the Heat win, it's going the distance. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'll take Nuggets and, in five. And and I think that uh, I think the other thing too is the Nuggets were smart and coming into that game. They're very respectful of the Heat in all the press conferences. Like, oh yeah, Jimmy's the best. You know, great player and like. But someone's gonna slip and start talking some crap to Jimmy and get him in Hemi buckets mode. And because uh, that's what happened in that Celtics series too. It's like everyone's respectful, but when when you're playing a team for seven games. Tensions get a little higher. You start to talk a little bit. Someone's gonna someone's gonna say something that's gonna put him in that mode, and then it's and then it's game on. So I'm uh, not that he needs someone to put him in that mode, but it's just you know you know how sports are. You get that that extra little kick that's gonna gonna push you up to the the next level and get you get you going. So I I'm hoping for a, a seven. If it goes to seven, give me the heat. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. If it gets to Game 7, I like the Heat. I just think I completely agree with what you say, but getting Jimmy into Jimmy, that's probably good for one. I'm going Nuggets in five. But I could see a sixth game, but I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if it was seven, but obviously we'll have a chance to do another podcast and we yeah, can, we'll, we'll, when it's 2-2 we'll find out after it, the break yeah when it's <laughs> when it's 2-2 then we can uh re-debate this but like i said to be clear i i like the heat and i want to see them do well i'm just you all heard it luke's a heat hater he hates jimmy butler <laughs> i want to see jimmy he win. hates the heat and he only likes he only likes Jokic. Listen, Jimmy Buckets is coming in. It's going to be five games heat. There we go. <laughs> five games heat. <laughs> That's the four, energy I'm looking for. Four straight. Four <laughs> yeah, straight. Four game straight. over. Yeah. Smell boom. you later. All right. Let's get into the big topic, the Mariners. Now, we didn't get to watch this game tonight, but as you guys were rambling about basketball, I was looking over some stats. We had Castillo on the mound tonight. Did you guys yeah. see the stat line yet? So yeah, I did. Seven innings, one earned. Yep. Lost. Another great game. And yep. a loss. Yep. Zero two. How important right now is this Ranger series? Is this kind of like I don't want to call it must win, but do you think this is an important series at this point? No series in June is must win. Yeah, I don't think it's that important. I, you know, it, it'd be nice to win the series, but you're on the road. The Rangers are red hot right now. <laughs> you know, they're 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 playing as good as anybody in baseball, and realistically, the Mariners aren't. <laughs> Although we had we've had a good little run here, we went what seven or seven of the last ten or so, seven, something like yeah, that. Yeah, seven and three. Yeah, I was saying, yeah is so it... we had we've had a nice little run. Part of that's against the A's, but you got to play who's in front of you. So, um, I just don't I just don't think it's a must win right now. You uh, you'd like to I mean you'd love to take two. I really think you need to take one of the games just to you know stay competitive with it, but. There's so much, so much more baseball left to play. Um, I, so many people love to overreact to baseball, and I, I heard, I heard them talking about this on the radio the other day. It's like everyone acts like baseball's played in a vacuum, and like every game is is the most important game in May and June. 
And yes, every game counts and every game is important, but you want to win. You want to win as much as you can by the end of the year. But every team is good in baseball. the The A's just beat beat the Braves two out of three games the other the other day after the Mariners swept. Which is them. shocking. Yeah, but well, after, but after the Mariners, yeah, after the Mariners swept them, everybody swept them. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've won. They've won. You know, barely double digit games on the season. But like that's baseball, though. Still, you know. The A's can go out and, and beat the best team probably on paper, if not the best team in baseball, two out of three, any given any given time. So don't overreact yet. Like it's one game you'd like to win because it's you know it's a it's a divisional game. But I I'm not uh, I'm not freaking out that they lost. I'm I'm more I'm more excited that uh, Castillo seems to be back on track again. I think that's much more important agree. than uh, than the winner. You know, you love to have the win when your ace goes out there and pitches seven innings, one earned. Uh, you'd love to get that dub and have some offense with that. But I'd much rather see Castillo back to back to being that kind of guy because he kind of slipped a few games. It looked like or not looked like he slipped a few games in there for what three or four games where he was struggling a little bit. So I'm I'm more interested in seeing him going back to his dominant state you know you know what's funny because i know you listen to this too is that we were listening to the radio on our way to go fishing last weekend because uh is it scott woodward yep the pitching coach they had him on the radio and it's funny is that like it could it could be a nothing but it seems like something based off of the results is that they had him on the radio and he was, I think his wife was having... He's on maternity leave. His wife was having a kid, so he was away from the club, and they had him talking on the radio, and he was he had a lot of interesting things to say, including, like, I've never watched the Mariners play a game on TV, because I'm always there, XYZ, like, stuff like that. But they asked him pretty, like, specifically, like, Castillo kind of struggled there for a minute and he's like oh yeah like I was watching and I was watching the game and I like texted him like afterwards or whatever and was like I saw you kind of like like you're kind of coming across your body a, a bit too much yeah cause he's he was like it was nice it was the Boston series yeah. I think and he said they actually have a really nice camera set up for watching the pictures like where it's set up and so I could see pretty pretty easily throughout the entire game that he was coming across his body and I knew the exact change that he needed to make in order to fix his fix his problem. And so I texted him after the game and then the next game he went out and pitched and had a great game. Pitched a gem. Yeah, so like, it's like it's 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 like you're just doing this little thing, like you're fine and we we'll get you know, we'll go do a bullpen and adjust it and sure enough He's go. looked like he's looked like solid gold ever since then. <laughs> yeah. So like I will say is that like to go down a little tangent here is that it's incredible, at least this is very like this is very anecdotal evidence, but it's like your pitching coach is gone for a week from your team. And even a guy like Luis Castillo, who's obviously a fucking bona fide star, he was slipping up in his mechanics and and his and his coach is like, This is what you need to do, and it's like he's looked great ever since then. Yeah. He got he got right back in his ear and is telling him what to do and like he looks great, so you know, credit to Woodward and the coaching staff. 
we'll see if that lasts. Like, like I said, yeah. this is a very like well, one-off I mean, situation type of thing. But at least the way he says it or presents it in this interview is just like, yeah, I saw him doing something, so I told him this, and he's looked great ever, ever since those like two starts that he missed. Yeah, you know, as the coach in the in the dugout. But I don't know. Uh, we, we talked about this when we were doing a, a Mariners re- recap on Unhinged. And uh, I did say, I think it was right before, it was the end of April, I said I, th- I thought May was going to be a good month for them and that things were going to come together. Last I checked, the Mariners went 17 and 11 in the month of May. I would yeah. call that a very good month. I'm not going to overreact to anything that happened in that month, and I'm not going to overreact to them losing to the Rangers game one. They just need to have a... 17 and 11, if they have that every month the rest of the year, they're going to be 100 wins probably. I'm not a mathematician. but So I don't need them to be that good, but like, you just need – it doesn't matter if you lose this series. You just need to win series like moving forward. And I think they're in a good enough position if they can just kind of tread water and keep doing what they're doing. Julio's bats heating up. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I think the biggest concern about this season, though, is just the fact the emergence of the Rangers. Do you guys think that with them being seven and a half games ahead right now in the AOS, do you, in front of the Mariners, do you guys think that they're legit contenders, or do you think this will eventually just kind of die off at some point during the season or after the All-Star break? Do I think the Rangers will be contenders? Yeah, do you think they're actually legit, or do you think they're just hot right now? Uh, to be honest, I'll jump in on this first. To be honest, I have literally not seen the Rangers play yet. So I don't have that good of an opinion. I, do, I know that they're like the best hitting team in the American League. I don't know where their pitching is at. So that's where I say like I don't know if I have a great opinion established yet of them. Because conventionally I would say you're a great hitting team. That's probably going to dry up at some point. Like I personally, pitching ultimately. I wins. like a I like a pitching team over a hitting team because yeah. hitting will dry up. Now, having said that, I assume they have some pretty good arms in there because there's guys there's guys to be had at this point that can be good pitchers. And hitting is harder to come by. So if you have good hitting, it's hard to imagine that they would like fall off a cliff and like lose a bunch of games in a row and come back to reality. But I do think that I'm more just focused on what the Mariners are doing. I think the Mariners are in a great spot because they have great pitching and their hitting just needs to get a little bit better and it is getting better. I do think it's going to be tough already with what the Rangers have done. It seems unlikely that they'll fall off a cliff, like I just said. So... It does, it does seem tough because you probably have to contend now with the Astros. I, Angels are also right in there. I just don't really care about the Angels. We already talked about Otani and him maybe being traded away. Yeah, but. yeah. I think the tough thing that the Mariners are facing this year compared to last year, and the, the Orioles were a factor kind of towards the end of the season. They were obviously an up-and-coming team that's looking really good with young talent, but like right now... How it sits right now, we have 
the Rangers leading the ALS, and then your wild card spots for those three spots in the American League is Baltimore, Houston, and the Yankees. That's tough competition right there. Yeah, and Tam- I- Tampa's out of control right <laughs> yeah. now. So are the Rangers. And yeah. I think that's the hard thing is that if the Rangers are legit, that's going to make things a lot more challenging. Because I think the Mariners are actually in a better spot this year than they were last year. Like, they're 29-28 and 28 right now. They're not – like – they're they're playing relatively good baseball. Their offense has obviously been questionable. If I read this correctly earlier, I think that as far as like the rankings in the DH position, they rank last out of production out of the DH spot, which I think that's going to be the, true. Which is yeah. like the biggest thing I think they need to figure out before the trade deadline. I think they need to figure out that DH spot. Yeah, and I think they will, one way or another. That they're gonna they're gonna go out there and fill that spot. But to go back to the Rangers real quick. The, their best pitcher who pitched tonight, uh, John Gray, is is five and one with a two eight one ERA. He's lost. He's won his last five five outings. So he's five and one, winning his last five starts. But the guy is a over four ERA the rest of his career. He has a two eight one. Former Rockies, right? Um, yeah, he was a Colorado Rocky. He but his previous his previous his career ERA is a four four one. The last year he had a three nine six. Year before that four five nine. The year before that six six nine. The year before that three eight four. So like he's he's pitching out of his mind right now. I would I would uh, think that much like much like uh, most players, he's gonna come back to his baseball card here soon, and uh, and tone that back a little bit. Is that gonna point. be enough though? I tend to think it will be because, like yeah, I said, that's one guy. Pitching, but that's, pitching means a lot more to me than hitting, and their guys are hitting exceptionally well right now. Yeah, and Marcus Simeon is is hitting like crazy right now. He was awful last season. This year, he's he. I don't know what is. I don't even think he's hitting that crazy. I thought he was hitting over three hundred when I looked the other day, but maybe I'm wrong there. Um, what about Corey Seager? Is he how's his production right now? I think he, I, th- I think I looked this up the other day, and he was he missed some time. Yeah, but he's been pretty hot since he's when he's in the lineup. He's pretty hot, but I think he's already missed some time this year. But top to bottom, that lineup, like I said, I think they're the best hitting club in the American League. Yeah, Marcus Simeon's two ninety five with an eight fifty OPS right now. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's that's above his baseball card a little bit. Like he's a good player, but that's that's above his baseball card. And so I think there's a lot of guys that that are doing that for them for the Rangers right now. And it it does feel like though to like this meta point that we're kind of getting at is that we can be optimistic that the Rangers will come back to reality and they won't be a team that's already 15 games over 500. Maybe they'll regress a little bit. But that still means that though that the Mariners are going to probably need to like they're going to have to surpass. They're going to get over. They're going to have to get over ninety five wins probably at like it's early in the season, but they're going to need over ninety five wins probably to get to to like guarantee that they're going to get in. Like there's always there's enough there's enough wild card spots that like there's room for chance. But like if you really want to solidify a spot, come like September first. You need to be on pace for like ninety five wins. Yeah, you definitely don't. And they're don't not that team the, right now. Yeah, you don't want to be the Mariners teams from 
what the mid you know 20 Robbie Cano 14 15 the Cano and Nelson Cruz years where you're like you finish the year with 93 or 94 wins and you're one game out <laughs> like that's yeah. the last thing you want to do so it, so to your point there Tanner before like yes it's important to win these games because it's a that's a two game swing against against a team like the Rangers but it's still early you've had you've had one series against them at home so far and I think I'm trying to remember if we we won Did that we? series. Yeah, we had one series against them already. I already forgot that. Um, and I can't remember. I, no, I can't. no, I I don't think we did at all. I think we lost. Did we lose all the games against all, them? Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I it's they're definitely going to be them and the Astros. You gotta you gotta win win against them. But I just don't think it's right now. I, I'm not putting all the stock and just just the this series yet now come august early september when you're playing those guys that's probably when it's more of the playoff atmosphere going on and those are the ones you really gotta gotta start winning so mariners bats are starting to heat up a little bit today's not a good indication of that but they're starting to heat up julio's starting to heat up kelnick's been hot my boy He's he's staying hot, best batting average on the team, and uh, yeah, I think the other thing too is that the Mariners are also showing progression that like in some of these walk off situations they're actually coming clutch now. You and finally like, got you finally got your walk off wins. You two got of them two in the last, in the last yeah in the last week yeah. yeah, and I think that's a big like that's a big stepping stone for them for Julio to finally get his groove back. Which Julio started slow last year, and granted there was. A little bit of controversy with you know what were strikes and what were balls like when he was up to the plate. Yeah, but I think that Julio started off a little bit slow last year. Obviously, he closed out just fine, rookie of the year, and now you have the emergence of Kelnick. I think the biggest factor for the Mariners, and I said this right from the beginning, is that they got to figure out that DH spot. He doesn't have to be batting. You don't need a guy that's batting two eighty five in that DH spot. But you need someone that's bringing a productive at bat and working. On- on that note, did you see, we were just talking about this, not on the air. You, you were like, when are we going to bring up Mike Ford? Is that his name? Mike Ford from AAA? And then we called him up yesterday. Yeah. I think you said that two oh. days ago. You guys were like, you guys were like, oh, when are we going to bring him up? I didn't realize that they actually he did can't, that. He got brought up yesterday. He played today, went one for three. Yeah, he had a hit today. And apparently that's a 333 batting average if, yeah, I, if my yeah. math is correct yeah, yeah. he's he's <laughs> hitting he's fame. hitting well over 300 in triple a this year and yeah. apparently well, i heard they're they're talking about this on the radio that last year he played for basically eight different teams he played for four different major league teams and all of their triple a affiliates so he played for eight different teams last year and uh so not a lot of continuity going on for the man but Changed his changed his swing, made some tweaks. Now he's raking in AAA. Maybe that maybe that's your answer for now. I don't I don't know that he is, but uh, it's not the sexy answer. It's not the want. sexy answer, but but it was you know I think last year the not sexy answer was Carlos Santana, and that was a very effective piece for us going down going down the stretch at the end of the season, and for now. Until the trade deadline, when you go and pick up a Carlos Santana type for a bucket of baseballs, like I, th- I think that if you can find someone who's gonna go go hit two eighty, <laughs> that that's a triple A guy, 
that's a, that's a really good option for you. Yeah, and Santana was another one of the like that was a good dude just to have in the clubhouse. Like you got an old vet that's a leader for the team, and like I said from the beginning, he may not be putting putting the best numbers up, but he's putting up productive at bats, and I think that's contagious, and that spreads throughout the clubhouse. Yeah, and I think that that's the two type of dude that you got to be looking for. And I think a name that you mentioned earlier off there was Hosmer. Yeah. That's a great idea. I, I, I really like that idea now of maybe bringing someone like that into the into the club because that's a guy that you can get. I don't who's he even playing for. He's he's, he's not playing for anyone right now. Yeah, so you get Hosmer's not playing for anybody. Hosmer got cut, so he's he got waived. So he's not playing for anybody right now. So yeah, that's another that's another guy you can get for nothing, and bring him in. And if it works out, it works out. They were on the radio. I heard they were saying that. So obviously, when he was a Cub, he was a. I guess he was a Royal first, right? Osmer, yeah, he was in San Diego last. Yeah, but where was he? He was was he a? I think he's with the Royals. He was on the Royals, right? He was on that Royals team, yeah. and like obviously was a staple and like leader in that clubhouse. But apparently in San Diego, that was not the case, where he wasn't the the best clubhouse guy, but. There's a lot of big personalities. In well, and, and that's and that was that's what that was the other thing they were talking about. It's like maybe that's because there's a lot of big personalities there, and he he wasn't meshing with that, and so was like just cut me. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. So I don't, you know, I don't know if he's the answer, but the the answer is that there are guys out there that are going to cost you nothing or close to nothing that can come out here and contribute for this ball club that aren't. Cooper Hummel, or <laughs> or, Which I, or thankfully we AJ Pollock, or you know, like I, there's guys out there that can that can come out there and and contribute that are not going to be those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we all know at the end of the day is that like we're not asking for some sort of world beater at the plate. Yeah, we don't need Schwarber. We're or... one of the best <laughs> pitching teams in all of baseball. You you. It would be great to have another superstar in this lineup. Those are hard to come by. You just need another guy, though, that, like I said, clutch isn't a statistic by sabermetric standpoints, but I know that at least the three of us all agree, is that there are guys, though, that have clutch ability, right? And that's really what you need. And I don't know if Hosmer is the guy. Santana seemed like one of those guys last year. That, like, you don't need some superstar bat. You just need a little bit more cohesion. And, honestly, maybe a couple walk-off wins, like you were alluding to earlier, is the type of thing that maybe it'll just spark it within the own clubhouse. Like, you don't even need to – well, you always need to add people, obviously. I'm not trying to say that we don't need to add anybody. But guys within the clubhouse, guys like J.P. Crawford, you know – even Caballero, those types of guys will will find ways to embrace the situation. And like I said, honestly, again, I don't want to sound like I'm echoing myself. I went 17 and 11 in the month of May. All you got to do is do that again this next month, and you're going to be sitting pretty good. Yeah. The problem is that this month is a much more difficult schedule. Yes, <laughs> but but yeah. that's why but that's why you needed to do it last month. Is it because you play the Yankees again in June in New York? You, 
<laughs> you play the Rangers, obviously, in this series. You yeah, got the Padres up next. And the Padres up after that. So which they're not performing well right now, but it's still a... But they're also starting to heat up. They got yeah. Tatis back. He's starting to play. So they've got... I wouldn't be worried about the Padres if I was a Padres fan. Yeah. Ex- they yeah, exactly. Talent. They're going to... They've got But talent. I am they're as a Mariners be... fan. Yeah. 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 But real quick, because Luke just mentioned him, can we talk about my new uh, budding favorite player? And that's Caballero. I'm I'm loving what this guy's doing. And, mo- and it's not even necessarily like he's not a superstar by any means. He was he's not <laughs> yeah, by any means. But I just love I just love that he's like just this crafty like he's messing with pitchers. He's messing with the pitch the pitch clock. He's upsetting he's upsetting entire teams like clearing benches from the from like his his pitch clock navigation stuff like calling timeouts and like. I, I just think that that's the kind of, like, grit that this Mariners team needs. And it's definitely not coming from Colton Wong. So, <laughs> so yeah. I I think Caballero, like, he's hit a couple dingers. Like, he's when he hits the ball, he hits it hard. Yeah, he uncorked like, it the other day. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's quickly becoming one of my, like, sneaky favorite players on this team. Kind of like that in that, that swaggerty uh, role a little bit, like, where he's he's the guy that's coming off the bench, but I just I love to see him every night that he's out there because he's just like he's he's playing mind games with folks. He's he's doing all sorts of stuff that I that I'm in love with, like yeah, did, manipulating the the like controlling the the game. Like he controls his at bats, and like I love that as a player. Yeah, have you seen this tan? Because like it was a little new to me because you know I watch a lot of Mariners, but at the same time, is it? Caballero, like it, it started with that Atlanta series where it really came out that like he's familiar with the pitch clock, and it's very clear that like he doesn't look at the pitcher until like nine seconds, basically. Not, every and it's time. like eight point clockwork, clockwork, because he's used to it. Yeah, and it was in that Atlanta series that like that the ump like called time like twice in a row. And was like arguing with them, and at least the kind of like well, it happened in the Astro series too. That's yeah. what, that was the first one was that Astro series because they told him to. I think the the catcher told him to get his ass in the box, and he's like, "F you, I know what I'm doing." <laughs> no, I think that was the Brave series, but yeah, where where then even the ump was telling him, and he's just like, "No, I know what I'm doing." Yeah, I'm I'm in on time, and he's been and he's been continuing to do that, and it. Seems like it's working for him. Like, like, like Nigel said, it's not like he's some sort of superstar, but like, I don't know. I'm curious to see if that like permeates throughout other batters. Is that like he's really got that shit dialed in, and obviously he's not a superstar and he's not hitting 300 with it, but he's in the minds of batters. And much like we're kind of saying with Santana before, it seems like he gets quality at bats, and part of that stems from. His approach there, yeah, where he's like killing he's, the clock. He is the one that is in control of the time. Yes, it's like that he is controlling the clock. And I've talked about this before, like when we were talking about the the rule changes. Is that like bring it back to beer pong? It's like I like to control the tempo of situations in sports, uh, and so he does it very. He well. does it very well. He danced on that line, and I think a lot of the pitchers are thinking that they're in control of everything, and like. You know, and that's been a big pitcher thing. Like, 
that's kind of what we talked about is with pitchers, and that's why they take forever. Is like they want to control the tempo and and be in charge, and he is he is in charge when when he's in the play or in the box. Like he is the one that's dictating the tempo and calling timeouts and like looking up at the last second. People are trying to quick pitch him, and 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 then the umpires calling time on the pitchers. Like I think that happened against the Yankees the other day too, where he. He called timeout, and then the pitcher tried to quick pitch him, and then the ump called timeout again because the guy tried to quick pitch him when he wasn't looking quite yet because he had till eight seconds. And so I just I just love what I'm seeing from him, and on top of the fact that he's producing. Yeah, I'd love know. it if he. Yeah, I'd love it if he bumped his batting average up a little bit, although it's not bad. But yeah, yeah, he just quickly become like the attitude of it. I think is really what what I, I yeah. enjoy. It's like, I think it's all it's, encompassing that this team just needs that kind of spark and that, and the walk-off wins will hopefully do it. Cause they kind of had that similar thing last year is that you just need this kind of spark that can push your team. Cause I, I do think they're just as like, we're talking about the Rangers and the Astros. I don't see any reason why they're not as talented as any of those teams. Especially with their pitching, yeah, their pitching there's no reason more talented that, than any other. There's no reason that in a playoff series you would think that the Rangers are a better team than the Mariners. We have such much like you were saying with their pitching before. The Mariners, I would take it a playoff series against most teams right now because they have the arms to go beat them. Yeah, especially once you get Munoz, Munoz back, assuming he's fully healthy and he just pitched his first. His, his first game at AAA yeah. two days ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I like him in that. The problem is, is that it's still 162-game season, and you need to win enough games to <laughs> get to that point. But something's got to give at some point, and hopefully, like I said, if they can put together another plus six, plus six win differential in the month of June, I think we're going to be having a different conversation in July and be talking about how far they can go in the playoffs where right now we're talking about will they be able to make the playoffs but they got to go do it though at what point in the season do they need to have another fight to really get that spark going tomorrow yeah <laughs> yeah exactly as soon as possible really is marco on the mound because that's the dude we need to oh, yeah that's going. that's the that's the real headline is that uh my guy the bulldog after his dominant performance last outing has some uh some un- or some discomfort in his elbow, not a good sign. And so he's missing this next start. I know Luke hates that. Uh, I have comfort <laughs> in my mind that he's not pitching, so <laughs> I'm not on the IL or yeah, IL. That's what it's called. All right, we're pushing two hours. I have one more question for you guys. Just with the All Star Game coming up, that's going to be hosted in Seattle. What Mariners do you guys see potentially making that All Star Game? I think Julio's probably, of course. Who- Julio's be, a lock. Yeah, he's say. our lock. I would argue against that. I don't think Julio's. He's obviously been hot lately. I feel like there's a lot of good center fielders. He might be in the home run derby, but you don't have to be an all star, right, to be in the home run derby. I think that he's definitely going to be an all star. I would like to see him it, be one. All star is a all star is not a, a popularity. Yeah, it's a popularity contest, exactly. He's that's a good point. He's so yeah. he's young and popular, like. People want to see, and especially after what he did last year in the home run derby, I think people want to see that again. It's in Seattle. Like he's, he's gonna got be, his own cereal now. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's on the cover of uh, 
Julio's <laughs> boxes everywhere. Um, so I think he's a definite one. I would think that Castillo is probably um, going to be in there. I, I think he's pitched well enough, especially if he continues to, like, it, now that he's back on track here. I, I mean, I don't see why he can't he can't be another guy that's in there. Outside of that, can Kelnick make it? I, 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 I mean, I think that he's had a pretty good start to the year, good defensively. Cooled off a little with his hitting. Cooled off a little, but he's still, you know, he's still still, still hitting about two eighty nine. Yeah, I think he's. I thought he was like two eighty nine. Yeah, I think he's day. in the two eighties. Although he might have went zero for eight the last two games, and he's down a bit. I don't know, but yeah, I still think he's in the the mid two eighties. So he's still he's still hitting pretty well. So I I think that's a dark horse <laughs> long shot, but I would love I would love it, and I think that'd be great for him if he could make it in there. Outside of that, he's not making it. I don't for think the he, same reason I just said about Julio, but yeah, that that's fair. But there's too many really good outfielders. I think oh. I think I agree with what you're saying, and you're right. Julio will probably be the lone Mariner that makes it to the All Star game because it's a popularity contest. If we're saying, in my mind, if we're saying purely on merit, because every team gets one. We're gonna say who the the best player has been so far, or the who the all star is. I honestly think it's George Kirby. I think he's I think he's been the best player for the Mariners, like top to bottom. He's had one bad outing, I think, maybe one and a half. But I honestly think he's he's looked every bit of an ace. True. Arguably more so than Castillo at times, because Castillo's had some he, Castillo has either been completely dominant or he's gotten roughed up in a few games and i do feel like george kirby has been like really good in basically every game except one yeah and so i would say i would say like he's not like you said it's a popularity contest so he's not gonna get in but he's probably been the best mariner so far today june 2nd he's been the best player on the mariners could dumper find his way in there I don't know what the catcher market's looking that, like right now, that's but what he's, that's he what is saying. having a nice season, he's, though. I, I feel like he's ha- like bat wise, he's probably he still catches the best the best pitching staff, and yeah. So <laughs> hopefully you give him credit for that, but yeah, I think he's and he, he's probably hitting as good as any catcher in baseball. Who's the best average wise? Who's the best catcher in the American League? Because I feel like Baltimore's catcher probably yeah, I was say that, that guy young from kid. Baltimore. Um, is it At Rushman? Rushman, yeah. Oh, I got his yeah. rookie card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Does he actually catch though? Because I feel like, yeah, I think he catches. I feel like even last year as a rookie, like he kind of spells in between because he's such a good hitter. I could be wrong about this too. I swear the Orioles traded for a catcher today too. Really? I'm curious how many games that uh, is that Adley Rushman. Yeah. I I'm curious how many games he's actually caught because he's such a good hitter that. This is purely speculative, is that I would think that you would try to limit the number of games that he catches just because he's such a good hitter. Regardless, like I said, I got a rookie card of him, so I'm hoping hoping he makes the All-Star game. That just uh, adds to the value. (laughs) Look out for your eBay shop. (laughs) That's right. I'll sell that bad boy for $22. (laughs) (laughs) And that's called making a profit. (laughs) All right, well, that's all I really got. You guys got anything else? 
I don't think so. I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, hopefully, we can make this a little bit more consistent. Um, yeah, that's all I got. See ya. See ya. Well, Lou's crew had done it. Edgar's double won it. And Mariner fans were dancing in the dome. The playoff drought had finally died. Joey Chorus sat and cried. A three-game sweep of the Yankees sent those pinstripes home. We're talking baseball. Russ Davis and Pinella. Mariner's baseball. Tino Bobby Ayala. Oh, the heat that Randy Johnson threw. There was Edgar, the bone, and Wilson, too. And there was A-Rod, Junior, and Sweet Lou.